And if I were to ask some of the youth or kids, they might say, I remember hearing about Jonah in Sunday school, right? Maybe they heard it there or uh, maybe from VeggieTales. And for those that don't know what VeggieTales, uh, the kids watch it in Sunday school. It's vegetables who tell them about the Bible. And that's how they know sometimes Jonah. They remember him being a cucumber. So uh, I always remember the book of Jonah as being this odd story, right? It's an odd story. It's a... it's this guy um, who's, who's called by God, and he runs the opposite direction. And in the scripture we're about to read, he's called to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh would have been his enemies. Uh, so instead of going to reach out to his enemies to preach, he runs the opposite way. Uh, there's, he, goes, he, he runs out the way, and he's in a boat. A terrible storm comes. Some men throw him overboard, and he's swallowed by a fish in the scripture we're about to read. So from the belly of a fish in the story of Jonah, here is the prayer. Jonah 2, and if you're using a Bible pew, if you would like to look there, it's going to be page 860 in the Old Testament. And I believe it might also be up on the screen. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of a fish. He said, I called upon the Lord out of my distress. He answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. You cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All the waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight. How shall I look again upon your holy temple? The waters closed in over me. The deep surrounded me. Weeds wrapped around my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought me up. You brought up my life from the pit. O Lord, my God. As my life was ebbing away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you, into your holy temple. Those who worship vain idols forsake their true loyalty, but I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord. Then the Lord spoke to the fish, and it spewed Jonah out upon dry land. The word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Loving God, I pray this morning that you will give me the words to say. I pray that uh, I pray that these words not be my words, but your words. I pray that you will you will speak to us this morning about when we are running from you, God, that we will we will run towards you instead. I pray that you will change our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen. So this scripture is one of my favorites, and uh, being my first Sunday to preach at Gadsden First Methodist, I for those that don't know, I worked here a while ago, and now I'm back. Uh, I used to be the youth director, and then I was at a different church for a while, and now I'm back. So this scripture, it means a lot to me, but it also gives me the opportunity to tell you a little bit about myself, because I can relate to Jonah a lot. Because when I read it, I think that guy is really selfish, he's not very nice, and it reminds me of me. Okay? So sometimes maybe that's you. So so you think about the story about the self-centered guy who runs the opposite way from God. But don't we all at times run the opposite way from what God is leading us to do? I felt called into ministry when I was 13 years old. I knew that God wanted me to serve in the church full time. I didn't know what shape or form that would be, but, but and I, I definitely would not have told you it would have been the United Methodist Church. I didn't even know what that was when I was 13. I grew up in a non-denominational, more charismatic church in Delaware. And at that age, I knew it was ministry was where I was headed. And then I moved to high school. When I was in high school, we moved to Florida. 
and I still knew I was called into ministry there. In my high school yearbook, you had to put your senior year, what you were going to do for a career, and mine said youth minister. So I knew I was called even then. My high school I went to, I went to a Christian school. I didn't go to public school. It had a very Baptist theology. I'm not judging. I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I'm just saying that's where I was. And I was in a non-denominational charismatic church. The two church, the, my school and the church I attended, the theology was very different, okay? So my theology was confused. I didn't know what I believed about certain issues, but I knew I was called to serve God in full-time ministry. I felt that calling on my life. And uh, so right after high school, what do you guys think I did? I went to Bible college. So uh, I went to Bible college. So there I was in Bible college for a year at this non-denominational Bible college started having a lot of questions, right? Because the theology maybe was didn't line up with where I thought scripture was. And I knew God was calling me to, to study somewhere different, go to a different uh, Bible college. But instead of, instead of doing that, instead of pursuing a different, a different college, this is what I did. I was working at a, at a church, a non-denominational church. I was their maintenance guy. I would clean at night. So at 19 years old, I can remember cleaning one night and telling God, I said, God, I'm done. I'm no longer working in a church. I'm no longer going to Bible college. And I'm just not going to go to church anymore either. I'm going to live a normal life. Look at me now. So, so this is what happened. I remember telling God that at this church at night. I said, I'm done. I'm going the opposite direction. And I ran just like Jonah. About two weeks after leaving church, I was working as a telemarketer. The worst possible job you can imagine, right? I know. I know you hang up on them. So I was a telemarketer when I was in college. Two weeks after leaving church, I met somebody at my telemarketing job, and I said, that person really needs to know Jesus. And guess what? I'm back in church two weeks later. But still, because I wanted to introduce my friend to Jesus, but you know what? I was still running from that call. I still said, God, I'm not going to do it. I started working as a 911 dispatcher near Tampa, Florida. I still felt a sense of call upon my life for full-time ministry. My wife, Jen, and I were not married yet, but we started traveling to different churches looking for the right fit for us, right? And if you ever want to hear stories, we've tried every kind of church you can think of. Some really good, some kind of scary. We tried them all. So, and, and we were trying to find the perfect fit for us. We eventually found a place called Gulfview Grace Brethren Church, and I'm so thankful for it. We stayed there for 10 years. I helped serve with the youth group. We were very involved, but I can tell you something. I was still called into full-time ministry, and I still told God, absolutely not, no way. Um, so as a 9-1 dispatcher, my job was good. I kept getting promotions. I became a trainer, and I told God, there's no way I'm leaving this. It's great. My job was great. My, my home life was great. I had a child now. I was healthy. There was everything to be thankful for. But just like Jonah, I was running. I was running so much, and I felt it in my gut. Uh, and when I finally moved here to Alabama, I was so tired from running, so tired. I finally applied for the youth director job here at Gadsden First Methodist Church, and that was probably nine years ago. So my entire life that I can remember, I was making excuses to not go into ministry. And I know many of you do the same thing, and it's not just ministry, right? It's not full-time working in a church. Maybe you feel called to help with a clothes closet. Maybe you feel called to join this wonderful choir, but you think, oh, I don't know, I'm nervous about it, I, it it's scary. And, and you know God's tugging on your heart to do something, but we all, we run from it sometimes. And, and Moses in the Bible, 
Uh, he's a very important guy. And Moses made a ton of excuses too. And every excuse that Moses made, I make these excuses all the time. This is Exodus 3.11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? He said, I am with you. So Moses here is saying, I'm not worthy. Who am I that I'm not good enough? Exodus 4, 4, 1. Then Moses answered, but suppose they don't believe me or listen to me. I say that all the time. I say, God, nobody's going to listen to me. Who am I? Uh, nobody wants to hear what I have to say. You, you got the wrong person. Exodus 4, 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor now that you have ever spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. God, have you heard me talk? Well, don't you want to use somebody else? I say that one all the time. I say this too. God, I'm a goofball. You made me this way. You know I've got an odd personality. Surely you've got the wrong person. This is Exodus 4.13. And I know, I know. I bet, I bet most of the congregation have said this one. Exodus 4.13. But he said, oh my Lord, please send someone else. Please send someone else, right? So sometimes it's fear. Sometimes we don't think we're good enough. We're not smart enough, not serious enough. Someone else can do it. And then sometimes we say, do you know what I've done in the past? I've really messed up. But then we think of David in the Bible. He messed up a lot. And we think about Paul. And we think of these people that did really big failures, but God still used them and still did great things. But here's something else I think about Jonah. I think Jonah may have been furious that he was called to preach a warning uh, a warning message to his enemies to repent and turn to God. Maybe Jonah didn't want his enemies to receive the love and grace of Jesus. So maybe sometimes we're like Jonah. Maybe we, we don't want other people to experience God's love. Maybe we want the people over here to experience, but not the people over here. Do we ever fall into that category? Maybe as an individual or maybe as a church, we fall into this. God, I'm cool with preaching to the people that, that, that look like me or sound like me or, or, or that they, they're the same uh, income class as me. But then maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes there's just something different about the people over here. For some reason, they're my enemy. For some reason, I don't like them. And I don't want to welcome them into my church. I don't want to welcome them into my life. I surely don't want them to experience the love and mercy and grace of God. And I think that's where Jonah fell. I think Jonah knew that if he preached this message to those people, that they would be in right standing with God, that they would experience God's love and grace, and maybe he didn't want that. And I hope that's never us, and if it is, I hope we repent and turn from it as quickly as possible. And I know for most of us, uh, serving God or feeling a call, it's not going to be like Saul in Acts, when he's walking down Damascus, and light falls from heaven, and he goes blind for days, right? Or maybe we're not like Moses. Maybe God's not going to speak to us from a burning bush. But I know in my life, I know when I have felt the call from God to do something. And even though I work in a church, sometimes there's still days, there's still days where I know God is leading me to talk to someone, to help somebody, to serve in some capacity somewhere. And I still choose to run. Sometimes I still choose to run. Because serving God is not easy. Sometimes answering God's call to do something is uncomfortable. It's a sacrifice but it's worth it. And just like Jonah too, I've never been in the belly of a fish, but I can tell you the stench in my soul smelled terrible. I felt like I was in the belly of a fish. So I'm not telling you that serving Jesus is going to be easy, but it's an adventure. I have found myself doing very unexpected things, 
I'm a city guy. I never, I never thought I would be in rural Alabama at times in a van full of teenagers going to Upper Sand Mountain Parish. God leads us to very unexpected places. And then some of us, the kids going back to school, maybe you've been running from what God's calling you to do. Because maybe, just maybe, you always hang out with the kids that are considered the cool kids, right? And you know deep down that God is tugging you to reach out to somebody who is not popular, somebody who is just a little different than you. And you know that God is calling you to help that person. But sometimes we run from it. Or maybe God is leading you away from maybe a party scene that you're involved in. But sometimes we run from that as well. Instead of running where God wants us to go, we run to what we think we want. And again, it doesn't mean a call to ministry, into a full-time ministry at a church. Sometimes being called could mean you feel called. You stay up at night thinking, I know I'm supposed to be a Sunday school teacher helping with the kids, but God, it's so scary. Have you seen those children? I know, I know, I've been there. So does something keep you up at night? Maybe it's starting a small group, helping with the youth here, volunteering at the Humane Society, help taking a foster care class, being part of the caring angels of our church. Maybe you're called to be uh, do something for your family. Because I know what it is to run from God. I still struggle with it. Sometimes even it's just that I'm too busy, I'm too distracted with life that I don't take enough time to be still. I don't spend enough time reflecting in scripture and in prayer. When we do that, we miss what God might be leading us to do. I want to close with this. It's a prayer by Thomas Merton, who was a monk and a famous writer. And this is a prayer I pray often. I'm going to pray it with you now. My Lord God, I have no idea where I'm going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end. Nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that that desire to please you does in fact please me. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road. Though I may know nothing about it, Therefore, will I trust you always. Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me. And you will never leave me to face my perils alone. Amen. As we prepare our hearts for communion this morning, everyone to know that this is not Gadsden First United Methodist Communion Table. This is Christ's Table. All are welcome to partake in communion at this church. You do not have to be a member here. The way communion will happen is uh, you will come up and kneel and you will be served. When you exit, please do not go down the middle aisle. Please exit one of these two aisles there, just so we don't have a traffic accident. Let us prepare our hearts. If you'll please turn in your hymnals to page 12, service of word in page 2.
Christ our Lord invites us to his table, all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us with joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join the unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to the church, delivered us from slavery, sin, and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and by spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it, gave it to his disciples, said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to the disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood, this is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make for, make for us the body and the blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in the ministry to the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. those who are helping serve communion would please come forward.
rise and go in peace. And may the bread of heaven nourish your soul unto everlasting life. 